As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hi there, and thanks for joining us on this week's podcast. A big week and a big year for Cork Chamber. We'll find out why. And the capital investors from Leaside who are not dragons. I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast. It's going to be a big year for Cork Chamber as they celebrate a milestone and also a big year in terms of what's going to happen, whether it be Brexit-related, whether it be growth-related, whether it's good or bad news. So let's talk to Thomas McHugh, who's Director of Public Affairs at Cork Chamber, about what 2019 has in store. Thomas, how are you? Very good, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Tell me, first of all, about the big anniversary. It is a big year. Yeah, well, 200 years is obviously a colossal milestone for any institution. And I think for Cork Chamber, it's very much, it's as much a celebration of the history of 200 years of Cork as it is a celebration of 200 years of what the business community has contributed to Cork. And I think, you know, it is appropriate to, to look back and reflect upon the impact that the Chamber has had. And I suppose to, to equally look forward in terms of what's, uh, what's, um, what does the next 200 years look like for Cork? Well, hopefully all very positive. What I love is that you have got a great history, a documented history of the Chamber over the last 200 years. Do you find yourself, I know you now, you love the detail and things, do you find yourself slipping in there every now and then just to yeah, see how they were well, getting on? Well, I think it's very important because actually if you look back at the legacy of the Chamber, you can see how hugely impactful it has been and how you know certain initiatives that were taken forward at certain points of time have you know have created a lasting legacy for the city region and for 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 Cork and for the wider southern region. So, for example, I just came across two specific uh, little anecdotes over the last while. One of them being Cork Chamber's contribution to the creation of the Verona Dockyard in terms of being part of the the original committee of four or five individuals who pushed that agenda forwards, brought it to government, and it was adopted in totality by the government in terms of pushing that forwards and driving that industry in Cork, which obviously lasted for a substantial period of time. And then there was another one which is quite interesting in terms of like the big picture thinking that the Chamber has always had. So way way back when, if you were trying to transport goods from Dublin to Cork or vice versa, there was um, there was no rail infrastructure to do so and the roads infrastructure was obviously exceptionally poor at Not the time. Not great, yeah. Right? So, okay, so Cork Chamber was one of the key bodies that lobbied to connect Waterford um, and Wexford to Dublin. So as to create that eastern rail line. So, you know, I suppose the vision of Cork Chamber has never necessarily been isolated to, to the bubble of Cork, but actually thinking, like, what's the bigger picture for the national economy? And can we stop um, goods leaving Dublin by boat, going to Liverpool and then going from Liverpool to Cork? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? So I suppose, you know, you're always looking for efficiencies, but it's all relative to a point in time. There are many things planned. The biggest event really is the annual dinner. You have a very good MC, I've heard of. You've already secured their service. But uh, what is planned for that event? 
So I suppose the annual dinner, you know, it's a celebration of it's a celebration of uh, of business in Cork, and it's a big event every year. I think this year, you know, one of the major milestones will be the acknowledgement and the marking of Chamber Two Hundred. And I suppose, quite specifically, we're, we're you know we're very very pleased to say that we have um, President Higgins joining us for the evening, um, which is obviously you know he's the head of state. Um, he's an exceptional statesman. Um, you know, great um, great appreciation for the business community, but also for culture and for history alike. So, obviously, we're we're exceptionally pleased to to have you know the president joining joining the Cork business community for an evening. And presumably, it's all sold out. It sells out the second it goes on sale, doesn't it? Yeah, well, it's absolutely sold out. So, obviously, it's it's a big big set piece event. And you know, maybe someday when if we uh, if we get an event centre, who's to say uh, who's to say we might not have a few <laughs> extra chairs to, very, to play around with? Very Jonathan. early in the new year <laughs> to even mention it. Um, let, let's talk about the bigger challenges that are facing uh, the economy and the local economy outside of your control completely and my control and everyone else's control is Brexit. How concerned are you, Thomas, from from a, a chamber perspective about the impact that it might have? Well, I think one of, I suppose there's two things that you can be concerned about. You can be concerned about what's happening in the UK and what's happening in Europe in terms of what will happen next. But also you can be concerned about what's within your control to a certain extent to influence. And I think one of the things that we would be quite concerned about is actually the number of businesses that are forward planning for Brexit in a very, very credible and very meaningful way. So we know, for example, you know, lots of the larger entities are very, very heavily engaged in, you know, scenario planning and gaming out different, you know, equations and what things might mean for their supply chain and what things might mean for their bottom line. But I suppose, you know, for the smaller companies that maybe don't have the equivalent headspace or resource, um, I suppose it's absolutely essential that over the next few months that, uh, you know, bread Brexit is a it's a tough ongoing it's a, it's it can be intensely dull it can be intensely confusing as a topic but that doesn't mean that businesses should cop out or tap out or become disinterested about the topic because uh you know they have to plan they have to engage with the government tools you know they have to try and assess what the impact might mean you know if you have a supplier in the UK um you know can you find an equivalent supplier in Germany or Italy or France in such a case as, for example, the currency makes that supplier relationship untenable or potential tariffs or logistics. I mean, the real challenge for companies is they actually don't know what's going to happen on the 29th of March. Mm. Even if it is going to be the 29th of March, will they apply for an extension to Article 50? Will they fall out of the European Union? Will Mm. they accept Theresa May's deal? It's a head wreck. And I think, you know, you'd hate to think that customers are businesses are taking an ostrich approach on this, sticking their finger in the ear and hope that somehow it's going to be resolved. Yeah, well, I think that that's the point. And I think like, you know, for all that there's uncertainty, you can still plan for potential scenarios. So like like you would in any business, you know, if you're creating a business plan, you would have maybe different sales targets and what that might mean for the business um, if you hit them. So it's the equivalent, of, I suppose, it's the inverse of that. It's looking at what are the potential extent of the negative impacts and what do you do to plan accordingly? Um, so, you know, as I say, there are tools in place that are, you know, they're, they're solid, they're robust, they're put in place by government. And in, in the, in the, I suppose, in the instance that those tools are not deemed to be comprehensive enough, of course, there's a whole suite of, you know, private sector, you know, individuals, consultancies, agencies that will help to put the finer grain on what that might mean for your business. Physically, the city is going to change a lot in the next 12 months. We've got construction projects that are finishing. We've other construction projects that are starting. And we're going to see the evolution of, as you say, the start of the next 200 years aren't we? I mean, people will start to physically see that change along the quays, around the Beamish and Crawford Brewery, maybe in the convention centre or not. But there is going to be a, 
as something we can see, a physical manifestation of that change. Yeah, I think that's, you know, it's very critical. So actually from view, viewing from the chamber, you can see a lot of that change. So you can see, for example, the construction of the new the new hotel there in Horgan's Quay, you know, on a day-by-day basis. It's uh, immediately adjacent. So you've got a lot of, I suppose, private sector investment in, and you can see it really coming to fruition in terms of hotel, in terms of student accommodation, in terms of... Um, in terms of you know um, commercial commercial buildings in the city city region, you've also got a lot of um, I suppose development taking place in commercial parks, places like Eastgate. So you've got a lot of I suppose um, commercial development taking place of one form or another. And I suppose what we're really kind of lacking, or what we really need to get the push on with, is actually the I suppose the the provision of housing for all those people. And I suppose that's probably one of the you know the main challenges that you know the private sector is tooling up to respond to. And I suppose you see the market responding anywhere where there's viability, and equally where the viability isn't there, you see you see slower progress. So for example, one of the you know areas where we're seeing progress is in the development of of um housing in a, I suppose in its more traditional form, but where we're struggling a little bit is in terms of the development of, you know, apartments, brownfield, trying to get that urban infill, whether it's in a town in the city region or whether it's in the city itself is trying to get that population mm. living and breathing those 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 urban areas. Oh, look, we talk a lot about the negative because it's the easier thing to talk about. But overall you're quite positive, Thomas, aren't you? Oh no, absolutely. I mean it's very like like even look at the last couple of months, you know, we've we've for example we've had a, a new hotel open in Cork, which hasn't happened for a very long time. You know, we've got that student accommodation popping up you know in, in different in different locations so the outlook is very positive and last year Cork was like resoundingly endorsed by Ireland 2040 and that endorsement remains um, and that endorsement is there in terms of infrastructure it's there in terms of the M28 the M20 it's there in terms of you know the forthcoming National Transport Authority's plan and I suppose what we're trying to do is to make sure that you know we Cork is fit fit for purpose as as and when that growth occurs and that we're not you know, behind the curve in terms of provision of, of the assets and the infrastructure and the cultural assets that people need to, to, to enjoy life here. Well, we wish you the very best of luck with the 200th anniversary celebrations for Cork Chamber. Thomas McHugh, Director of Public Affairs at Cork Chamber, thank you so much for joining us on Red Business. Thank you, Jonathan. Red Business. All that's best about business in Cork. The world of capital investment is an alien one to a lot of people, but if you have a company that has potential, it's something that you need to move to the next level. So my next guest is somebody who's been on a bit of a journey over the last couple of years that has given him a skill set that will help people connect with the cash. Martin Fitzgerald of Clash Rock Capital, how are you? I'm great, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming in. Uh, we, we'll talk about what you've done in just a minute, but tell me a little bit about yourself and, and why you decided to set up Clash Rock Capital. Uh, well, Jonathan, I suppose I've had 20 years of a background now working in banking and uh, risk assessment. Uh, I worked originally with AIB Bank and uh, I also worked with KBC Bank. And the roles I had uh, were varied, but were always in lending, always uh, providing finance on the bank's behalf to grow businesses uh, and, and then manage portfolios of those businesses through their different life cycles as they grew. Uh, so I've always had a keen interest in that. Uh, a couple of years ago when I came out of banking, I, I've been working in funding since and I evolved into working with some uh, very strong investors, successful entrepreneurs themselves who wanted to look at giving something back. How could they invest in small upcoming companies, primarily in Cork and Munster area, but throughout Ireland. So we set, I, we set up this structure 
under the banner of Clash Rock Capital uh, and we're uh, investing into companies now that are at a scaling stage. They've moved just past that startup stage but have an ambition to grow and they're in a sector where they have a real ability and opportunity to, if they have the correct funding and strategic advice, which we want to bring, uh, to scale quickly. Uh, and it, it's that potential that's in companies that you're looking for, isn't it? You're not looking for the the, the, the small guy who might want to grow. You're, you're you're looking for somebody who has a vision, who has a, a an ability, and has a proven track record in their field. Yes, I mean, take for example, uh, we've just closed our first investment. So this is uh, in Translate, a Cork-based company in the language services market. So they provide documentation, translation, they provide translation of the spoken word at conferences, in person, etc. Uh, so we, 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 what we really like about this company uh, is they're, they've grown to a certain level on their own. They've bootstrapped it. Alex Chernenko, very interesting guy, is the chief executive and leader here. He uh, came to Ireland as a teenager. He went to college in UL, did computer science. Uh, he worked his way through college because he could speak six languages as a freelance interpreter and got the idea to one day set up his old agency in the language services market. Now, Alex went off to work in tech world after college. So he has that skill set, came back, set up his agency and grew it from nothing, tr- survived the recession and has bootstrapped it to now being in Cork, Dublin and Limerick. Great SME growing well on its own and now has this vision of how to bring technology to that market. So you, you saw something in that. Look, to, to explain to people who don't understand uh, the ins and the outs of this, it's a bit like Dragon's Den. You go in, you make a pitch to people who've got money and they give you a bit of, they give you the cash to move you to the next level. So who are your dragons? Well, in terms of the Dragon Den analogy, yes and no. That's a bit show busy for us, right? <laughs> We're much more sedate than that and much more on the numbers. And let's all sit down and have a chat, right? You need to always need a bit of pizzazz, Martin. Uh, but look, effectively, okay, you are looking at a pitch, an idea. You're looking at an opportunity. So uh, in this one, in the first one that I just mentioned, Translate, which has a great opportunity to grow, it's been backed by two uh, local entrepreneurs, Dave Renane and Frankie Wheelahan. But there are others involved in what we're doing and that side of our business is growing. What we want to do here is uh, to bring in companies. And yes, like you say, we want to see where they are. There's a whole criteria of risk assessment, which I will carry out from my background in terms of all the pillars. But ultimately, people invest in people. And we invest in people. And that's, that, 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 that's going to be the core of our vision going forward. If we can work with these people, if we can bring more than money, we can bring the funding that they need to grow the business. But if we can bring strategic advice, if we can open doors, if one of these entrepreneurs is going to go and sit on a board that will be formed if it hasn't already been formed. Uh, and that's part of, of what, what we really want to be here is help to short circuit or to create a shortcut for people. Mm. They're not going to make the mistakes that these successful entrepreneurs through 20 years have seen them in their own businesses. Yeah, but every, everybody makes mistakes uh, and they're very important in business because you learn from them. But how willing are these people who've invested so much time and effort in their business to bring outside help in, to allow the outsider, albeit somebody who, who's investing in your company to tell you, well, you know what, now you've got to make a bags of it if you do it that way. Well, that's where Clash Rock Capital really comes in, okay? Um, you're, you're right. It's a very big step for someone to have that trust and to make sure that they have the right people on board that they, they can benefit from. If, 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 if we get involved with a company, okay, one of our entrepreneurs who's the best fit for that business, that sector, that model, where they can really help, is, is going to get involved. 
but but lightly, okay? It'll be a board meeting once a quarter. If the if the entrepreneur, the business person wants to get their advice, they'll pick up the phone and they'll be able to chat through something. Uh, I, on the other hand, then will be much more in terms of let's grab a coffee once a month, let's sit down, where are you at, what's happening? Let's talk about how we're going to set up reporting structures. Um, I, and, and some people when, with the entrepreneurial spirit, when they hear that, they can get a bit uh, sidetracked, hold on, reporting structures... Yeah, what, particularly what are people here? are coming from a small place mm, wouldn't yeah. know what reporting structures that's are. Where we, that's where we come in. We help with that. You know, we're not expecting to walk into a, a fully set up corporate here. We're work, we're, 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 we, where we want to get to is to work with you to get you to there. And we understand the journey and, mm. and we understand what needs to be set up bit by bit. So how much has gone into Translate then? What Translate is doing is bringing a technology platform in, in 2019, I can't talk too much about it, into the interpretation space. The global market and the language services area is over $40 billion revenue per annum. But within that, it's split between uh, actually translating of documents and the spoken word, which is called interpretation. That market is growing substantially and could overtake the rest of the market, uh, according to all market analysis in the future. And technology is now coming to bear in that space. And it is uh, seen in the market that small companies that are uh, tech savvy can grow very quickly in the coming years. And that's where Translat is aiming. So that's your first investment. Is there more in the pipeline? How can people maybe get in contact with Clash Rock and work out whether this is something for them? Could they be the person entering the not dragons like Dan? (laughs) Indeed. Uh, Yes, is the simple answer. So we have obviously a website, clashrock.com and queries can be entered there. Contact me on LinkedIn. um, and, and, and look, we're all very busy, but we'll try and get back to you as soon as we can. Ideally, what we like to do is engage with companies when they're at a stage where they are trading, uh, they have, uh, they have uh, an investor deck or an investor pitch ready to go. We're not into that pure startup. Also, just as we talk about what, what we're not, we're not a real, uh, real estate investors. Uh, we're not into the med tech or sci- life sciences space because it's so specialised. We don't have that expertise within our group. Right now, um, we're looking for companies. Our skill set within our entrepreneurs at the moment is tech, hospitality, logistics, shipping, uh, co-working spaces. We're already in those spaces as a group, uh, so we understand them. Um, um, but we have a fairly broad remit uh, on, on, on sector-wise. So how many investors do you have? At the moment, Jonathan, there's a core group of three. And, and that is expanding and growing. Oh, so do you want We're, more then, do you? Yes, indeed. Uh, in 2019, Clashrock will uh, evolve what we're doing into more formal structure. So what Clashrock will become in terms of a co- co-investor group is we will bring in about 15 investors, all successful entrepreneurs, who will commit a level of funding to a fund and we will add institutional funding on top of that to give a, a bit of firepower to what we're doing as a group and to what I believe and what I see from the entrepreneur investors already involved is they like the idea that they will like the group. They will like that there'll be a small decision group, sector specific, if we're investing in tech. Three people from that who are in tech will come into the decision group with whether we're going to go ahead with an investment or not. And they, it's light touch in terms of their time commitment. They don't have to give a lot of time. It's once a quarter or a board meeting if they're particularly involved in a company that we're growing. Um, and it's not a purely passive investment for them. They can see under the bonnet. They can see what's going on. And it can be in a sector they like. We're looking to engage with people. And they can contact us, as I say, through the website, etc. OK, well, Martin Fitzgerald, we wish you and uh, your investors the very best of luck with Clash Rock Capital. Thank you so much for joining us on Red Business. Thanks, Jonathan. 
if you want to get involved in the podcast, you can email redbusiness at redfm.ie. Nia Hennessy produced. There'll be a special on the chamber dinner on redextra.ie. Don't miss it. And we'll catch you on the next one. The only show in town for Cork business. Red Business.